Well, welcome everyone to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where this is our weekly pursuit of truth and trying to apply the Lordship of Jesus Christ to every area in our culture. And the Lord knows we have a lot of work to do because there's a lot going on, a lot going on in our culture. Yeah, first of all, our location is a little bit different today yeah. because of our circumstance. Yeah, um, Ma- Marion and I were sitting on our back patio, which is our normal routine, having a cup of coffee and enjoying uh, the beauty, and all of a sudden. Boom! It sounds like a bomb went off. Turns out it was the... Luckily, it wasn't a bomb. It wasn't a bomb. It wasn't a bomb. <laughs> it was the transformer. At the corner of the church. Right on our church property. Not our churches. It's Nipsco's, uh, fortunately. But that tra- that transformer has been here since Living Stones has been here. So it's it's over three decades, approaching four decades old. Yeah. Uh, but man, that lit off a humongous explosion, which meant that every all the power on that end of the building is now out. Yeah. Thus, the new studio. Just a little switcheroo this morning <laughs> down here. So, this is this is my office. So I'm inviting you into the bowels of my office the here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, before we start, I want to do a quick rehash on a podcast from last week. Last week, we had uh, one of our elders at Livingstone's Church, Amar Pendenyengi, uh joining us. Yeah. It was an excellent time. If you missed that podcast, strongly suggest that you go and check it out. Uh, it's on our YouTube channel right now. You can access our YouTube channel uh, by going to our church website at lstones.org. Uh, click on the sermon series. It'll take you directly to our church um, YouTube channel, and you yeah. can find that yeah. on podcast. And, and as we said, we, we certainly didn't uh, solve all the, the problems of racial tension in America, but it was a great beginning discussion. Yeah. We talked on a lot of really good points, and we know that's just the beginning of a lot of uh, face-to-face dialogue. And that uh, needs to happen. Uh, yeah, and then we follow up on Sunday uh, with an excellent service in which we address, again, how do we deal with issues of injustice um, and moving forward with a kingdom heart, kingdom mind, kingdom culture. Yeah. Amar, again, joined you on the pulpit. Uh, we also invited David Walton. Yeah. Um, it was a yeah. good time. Yeah, we talked about, you know, at Living Stones, we, ha- we have been endeavoring to pursue a kingdom culture, which means that we love the races, we love diversity, we, we love ethnic uh, expression of all the different uh, cultures that the Lord has created and that Jesus has redeemed, and yep. and uh, and so for us that we're, that's not a theoretical thing. That's something that we model. And so we had our worship leader, one of our worship leaders, David Walton, who did such an amazing job. And we had one of our elders again, Amra, join us uh, and help me preach a message uh, that dealt with the, the importance of the church being a kingdom culture, modeling healthy relationships. Uh, and a, a diverse leadership team, which has been our goal, you know, from the beginning. Absolutely. And there were some great stories being shared, great oh, yeah. illustrations of what does it mean to have a kingdom heart, kingdom culture, to not take the narratives from the different political agendas of the yeah. world and 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 follow that thread instead to follow the the narrative that we've been given through the scripture right. the 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 mission our mission hasn't changed our mission of the gospel is still the same and i thought that's super important for us in the kingdom of god yeah. for us who are believers understand that yeah you know I, i've been i've been grieved a little bit by watching uh the church in america kind of be uh uh, co-opted, you know, our message being hijacked, and we're attaching the message of Jesus Christ and genuine hope for racial healing. Yeah, we're putting that to the side, and we're latching on to some of these activist groups and things that are popular right now in America, which yeah. uh, they don't have a message that comes from our Christian worldview, and they don't have the power to bring about actual transformation. And so, just encouraging us as believers, we've got to know the Scripture. We have to know. 
uh, how to interpret what's going on in the world around us through the lens of a biblical worldview. And we've got to, you know, one of the things David dealt with was we got to have a pure heart. Yeah. Because uh, if our hearts are full of bitterness and and reverse racism, yeah. then we're going to be poisoned, and we're going to everything that we see is going to be looked at through the lens of race instead of through the lens of the kingdom. Yeah. And uh, and we just can't do that. So that you know, part of the reason we're doing this podcast is to encourage people that we have the solution. I mean, Jesus Christ has given us the truth. He is the the way, the truth, the life. And if we follow Him and we take the time to do our homework and uh, and do our heart work. You know, we're going to have some right. great impact in our culture. And by the way, if you miss Sunday service, uh, that's also on our church website, lstones.org. Uh, there's a link to our services. Uh, you definitely can check that also on our YouTube channel. So all those are great resources yeah. you want to watch. Uh, David shares some awesome stories about his dad, who was an African-American police officer, yeah. uh, but also a godly man. Yeah. And just how he dealt with racism, his heart issues, and just uh, the things he had taught David and the things that David saw growing up, which transformed him and, cha- and made him the man that he is today. So I, I thought it was super powerful. So here's an African-American police officer who happens to be someone who loves Jesus yeah. and who's making a huge impact in the in the way he's policing. Yeah. And so that's that's the difference we tried to make. You know, you, you, you were at my house uh, for... Jason's birthday party as well. And we had, our whole backyard was full of people. And there was probably at least 50 to 60 teenagers there from all different ethnic backgrounds. It was beautiful. I really wish we could have got the cameras out and and invited all the media over because because the one thing that all of those students had in common was a common love for Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the unifier. Satan is the divider. Everything you see in our culture today that's working to further divide us and to uh, infuriate us, uh, that that is satanic in its origin. Everything that's bringing about true unity and love and reconciliation is kingdom. And, and that's what we want to be after is kingdom, uh, not the divisive stuff that's going on in the political world today. Right, right. So it's interesting. We, we're talking about a really, really important uh, biblical issue today, but we're trying to connect the dots. Right? We're going to deal with human nature and our view of human nature and how that impacts public policy. Uh, what we have both found incredibly interesting is, first of all, we had a terrible uh, tragedy with George Floyd's uh, death. The media latched onto that. And what you saw happening across America was these fires of, uh, first of all, protests, uh, peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. But almost simultaneously, these protests were co-opted by other groups with other agendas. We had stories of pallets of bricks being delivered in uh, inner cities and alleyways uh, for rioters to grab, to throw through windows. You had this orchestrated uh, uh, effort to burn down our cities, the very places where many of our uh, uh, minorities are living and the very places where we're trying to address the injustices. This was the the place where we're seeing now looting and we're, we're watching, for instance, uh, minority business owners that are standing out there saying, what are you doing? Why are you burning down my store? I mean, it was a, a tragic thing, but it happened so quickly and it was so well coordinated that you had to begin to wonder, some, something evil is behind uh, this expression of wanton destruction, all right? Mm-hmm. It just did not make sense. Um, yeah, I think there's a distinction you know, there's peace. There's people who genuinely want change. And, Absolutely, and the protesters who, who who are heartbroken and they and we saw black and white and folks come together, together and, and all concerned. that stuff. Yes, but then 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 it seems like there's these other people who have kind of 
opportunists or whatever. They want to come in and they're taking their agenda out. And it just it just caused more confusion and more chaos. So when you're, when you're criticizing uh, one, you're almost criticizing all of them. But you're like, no, I'm not criticizing the protesters. I'm criticizing right. the people who are breaking and burning stores and homes. And again, it just caused even more chaos, more confusion. It just, just right. this is terrible. I mean, yeah. the, the right to peaceful assembly is is an inalienable, God-given right. It's in our Bill of Rights. It's a, it's a precious right that we should, should hold on to and we should support. Yeah. But we weren't seeing peaceful protesting by and large. We saw it escalate into just want and chaos. And what I've tried to, to communicate is we need to watch that we don't jump on these bandwagons until we've done our homework. Many of these organizations that are driving this movement today are not rooted in a Judeo-Christian worldview. They're rooted in a Marxist worldview. In fact, the playbook, the famous playbook uh, uh, that these groups use is being played out right now. Let me give you a couple of these things that we're seeing. First of all, you're seeing an effort to overload the system and, and to uh, break things down to where there's not enough police, there's not enough fire department, there's not enough uh, whatever, uh, security, uh, not enough money, not enough, uh, in other words, overwhelm the existing system. Mm -hmm. And then once the system is overwhelmed, then you have chaos. And, and so a lot of these groups right now, the uh, Antifa group and some of the others, th their goal is chaos. They come in. They, they, they cause everything to be turned upside down, fires, looting. Uh, you know, we even saw people coordinating uh, coordinating the looting while police were over here. They were going on the other side of town and, you know, breaking into this building or whatever. So you create a sense of chaos. Nobody wants to live in a chaotic world. Mm -hmm. And so what do we seek to do when we have chaos? We seek to bring uh, order. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, socialists and communists, which is what the progressive wing of our Democratic Party right now are pushing, whenever there's chaos and disorder, they bring governmental solutions, top-down solutions, not community-based solutions, top-down, you know, heavy-handed solutions to try to bring in more governmental control. And so on the heels of all this, we're, we're seeing something now that we're, you and I are scratching our heads because yeah. we don't get it. So... We realize there's been concerns of some uh, police brutality, but to in our urban areas to defund the police uh, or to disband the police altogether. Some are even pushing for the emptying of all of our prisons and doing away with our, our prison system. Um, it, it's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. yeah, and again, this is something that I I... I don't even know what to say. Like I, you know, you have a statistic here that um, they did a poll. Again, I don't know how much I put trust in polls, but 16% Democrats and only 15% Republicans say they were in favor of um, defunding the police department. Uh, basically, when you defund the police department, you get rid of the police department. I mean, basically, it's getting rid of it completely. And I, I think I, I can't wrap my mind around that concept. I understand that there might be reforms that need to be made. Sure. I understand. I agree that there needs to be heart checks and there needs to be greater level of accountability. Um, there needs to, we got to make sure they're mentally healthy, the police officer, the stress they're going under and yeah. uh, the, the trauma they meet every day, but also their own hearts, making sure we got good people in place, not evil people. That if, the, if the guy has a bunch of citations that he needs to be kept accountable for so he doesn't lose and kill somebody, that he this issue is dealt with very early on. Deal with, you know, in every, in every profession, you got the bad apples. I mean, you you were in public education. Sure. I mean, there's there's teachers that shouldn't be teaching. Sure. They're, they're bad teachers. 
uh, there's bad examples in every aspect of life. The same thing with the police. The, the goal isn't you get rid of the of law enforcement. The goal is you get rid of bad law enforcement and uh, and you work towards justice issues. But you know, I don't know if you saw that video. It touched my heart. The the uh, uh, police chief for New York City mm. basically saying, "Hey, that our politicians ha- don't support us." Uh, our, the people here are, are uh, you know, reviling us yeah. and, and treating us with disrespect. I mean, how would you like to go out in these areas and your job is to enforce law and order and, uh, and there's no respect, you're getting ambushed. Um, uh, when, when you're trying to police, the government officials won't let you police. Mm-hmm. So you can't even do your job. And you're trashed all over social media. You're trashed all over the media, all over sports, all over everything. My, my concern about this is, you know, to me, it's not the easiest to recruit good people to to go to the police department in general because it's because it's a tough job. It's a Thankless tough job, job, right? You're not gonna make, you're not going there to make a ton of money, right? So now we want our best in the police department, right? That's our idea, and now we're making it even harder and harder for our best to be like, you know what? I want to go. I want to go and be a police department, and just the culture that we're kind of what, what the, the direction of the culture is trending is like. No, we're going to have people who probably sh- more people who shouldn't be police officer become police officer because we create such a hostile environment for them. Yep. You know, and, and what kind of effect is that going to have in the next 10, 20 years? Even if we don't completely defund them, what impact are we going to have just in police officers in general? And, so, and so, anger and bitterness doesn't breed well. It just leads to more anger and bitterness. Right, you know. Right. So. And so when you look at what's going on in the very places where we need to be helping our our urban poor, uh, uh, you're seeing uh, urban businesses and minority business owners having their businesses destroyed. I I just read an article uh, about a a business up in Minneapolis, and uh, the guy said, you know, our city and our leadership completely turned their back on us. He said, we were here left by ourselves to fend for ourselves. Uh, while this mob burned down this entire building. And and here's the question we need to be asking. If you're a minority business owner who's invested all of your life savings into serving your community, whether it's like a grocery store or whatever it is that you operate, uh, and you just watched your government officials do nothing to stop the looting, the the, the pillaging, uh, the burning, and everything that took place, um, and you're looking at at your life's work going up in, in smoke, are you going to rebuild in that location? Uh, no, you're not. If you're in the, if you live in an urban area, uh, put put yourself in this. You and Debbie and the kids. You live you live in one of our urban areas that just determined they're going to get rid of the police. Yeah. Does that bring you comfort? No. Uh, are you going to sleep well at night? No, it, it not. I don't even need to be in the urban area. Just anywhere. The fact that the area does not have a police force or anything like that. What does that mean for me as a private yeah. citizen? What does that mean as a father whose job is to protect my wife and my kids? So I saw on one of these on, on one of these uh, evening programs the the mm. report or the interviewer said to one of these uh, council members who's trying to get rid of the police, mm. uh, someone's breaking into my house at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Who do I call? What, what do where, where do I go? Right. Unfortunately, these folks haven't thought through their talking points too much yet because I think they're getting them from another organization, but they've not thought through the talking points because here's the sad thing. They had no answer. So who's to come to your rescue at three o'clock in the morning? And, And let me just also add that the agenda of the left is not only to get rid of the police, but to get rid of your Second Amendment rights. And so now they want to take away your guns and take away the people responsible for protecting you. So 
where is the sense of security? And in fact, what we're seeing is they're increasing the level of chaos, I believe intentionally, because there's a power grab and really a desire to fundamentally transform America from a constitutional Republican to a socialist or even a communistic kind of yeah, system. I just don't understand the end game. I want someone to actually have a rational discussion with me and say, hey, what does that look like? Um, I, I definitely would love a discussion rationally to talk about how, well, how do you reform the police and how do you, again, have better accountability, all that stuff, sure, you know, but just to completely defund it, I just don't get it. But, but what's yeah. being exposed here, and this is this is really the point of our podcast today, because mm -hmm. it's about worldview, it's about the lordship of Jesus. What's really being exposed here is the fundamental question of how do you view human nature? And Andrew, break break that down a little bit. So, so if you're if you're a liberal and you're saying get rid of the police, we're going to hire social workers. All right, so social workers are going to solve all of our problems and tensions. It's going to keep people from hurting each other. I mean, what's the worldview here that would believe that a social worker could solve the inner city problems of America? I'm not exactly sure what what that <laughs> worldview is. I can't really speak to that because that's not mine. But you and I talked about you know. Our the, the answer we have towards what is wrong with the world, whether the problem is outside of us or is inside of us, uh, has consequences. Yes. The answer to that question has consequences. Um, and you see this, you see this perfectly unfolding in this current divide. Yeah. All right. You've got usually conservatives and Christians are big on emphasizing personal responsibility. In other words, we're not determined, we're not controlled, yeah. it's not the environment. Uh, we all make decisions and choices, which is why you can have someone like Ben Carson who's who's raised in the same environment, uh, poverty, uh, whatever, injustice, call it whatever you want to call it, and who rises to become a, a world-renowned, you know, uh, a, a surgeon for yeah. children, yeah. Um, and then other people that are blaming everything on the outside that are calling it systemic racism. That the problems are not with people; the problems are with the system. And these are age-old discussions, but they all come back to an important point, which is this: What is your understanding of human nature, and why is the world so messed up? Yeah, if you don't, you can't correctly diagnose the problem. You're not, you're not going to be able to have the correct solution. Yeah, I mean, it's again like if you have, you have cancer, and you go to your doctor, and the doctor tells you uh, it's because you have a headache or because you have a, you have the flu, and to give you flu medications, you're just your cancer is not going to get any better, right? Mm -hmm. You need a correct diagnosis of the problem, right? And that's what's what we're battling right now on on this front. Of, of of the of, in terms of worldview is what is our problem? What is the primary problem of our culture and our civilization today? Yeah. Is it a systemic problem? Is it a problem with systems or is it a problem of the human heart, yeah. which extends itself into systems? You know, so, uh, it was G.K. Chesterton who was the the, the witty Brit who. Mm -hmm. uh, responded to a, a question that was raised, a big article in the London, I think it was the London Times. Um, what is the cause of all the problems in the world? Mm -hmm. And he wrote a letter to the editor that's become famous. He said, you know, dear London Times, uh, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. In other words, he said, what's the, re what's the cause of all the world's problems? I'm the cause. The, the yeah. problem lies in, the, in me, and it lies in you. It lies in something fundamentally flawed with human nature. Uh, and he correctly identified that. But that's not the, that's not the liberal view. Well, it's, the Bible obviously teaches about original sin. When Adam and Eve um, ate from the fruit, um, 
sent into, into their hearts and is passed on to the different generations. Now, again, before I was taught on this biblical worldview, I, I didn't, I understood the original sin. I grew up with it. I didn't understand what systemic or, or the problem with society was. That just didn't make sense to me yep. because I don't understand how you can have a bad system, a corrupt system, if you don't have bad people in the first place. But then as I'm studying, I realized there are actually philosophers who has created that narrative yeah. and who has created that model. And people, and many people have bought onto that model. University has bought onto that model and used that model to create legislation and programs and government programs mm -hmm. and create governments from that system. It's like, oh, yeah. something that's so irrational to me, people have taken it not just seriously, they have made it reality. Yeah. So a lot of these idea ideas found their roots in the the Enlightenment period, the French Revolution, and one of the big theorists of the time was was Rousseau, who believed that human beings were good. Mm -hmm. The problem is this society around us. In fact, one of his most famous quotes uh, is man is born free and everywhere he is in chains. So the idea is we come out of the womb, we're free. But then it's the wicked institutions. And of course, these people were God-haters. So the church was one of those wicked institutions. Right. The that, families. The family. Yep. Uh, other, other system, gov just government, uh, any, anything, law enforcement, anything that represented order, morality, uh, those types of things, uh, they hated. Right. Uh, and so the whole goal was to throw off all these evil systems. If we could just get rid of the systems then people would be good, which yeah. is really the argument behind getting rid of police. If we just get rid of these oppressive police systems, then everybody would just be good and, and, fun and thrive. We'd have thriving inner cities. I like this uh, quote you have here by uh, Abraham Maslow. Sick people are made, are made by a sick culture. Healthy people are made possible by a healthy culture. Yeah. You know, there's a degree of truth to that. I mean, there's an element of truth to that. Your culture absolutely affects you. Right. It's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and I think that's very persuasive to many but to many people. But my my question again is how do sickness if a culture if everyone's inherently good, where does sickness come from? Where does this bad evil yeah. system or society come from yeah. in the first place? The question we need to ask is uh, if sick people come from sick cultures, well what makes up a culture yeah. for it to be sick? You know, cultures are made up of people. People are what form culture. So you can't get a sick culture if you don't have sick people. It's sick right. people that make sick culture. Right. Uh, and so if we're always trying to, to deal with external issues, we're always trying to deal with, with uh, the system, the framework, uh, whatever it is, the law, and but we're not dealing with the humans that are responsible for creating those laws, applying those laws, then it's a vicious catch-22. Yeah, because you and I had this discussion, like, because right now the discussion is not even just do we have bad laws, unfair laws. It's the implementation of those laws by people, by judges, by police officers. You can have the best law in the world and you have a wicked uh, person in charge of that. They're going to corrupt the system. So right. again, even systems, I'm not saying a good system doesn't help. A good system is good. Good laws are good to help guide people, but that's not impervious to a bad person. Right. The, so. we, we, we're in a nation. This is why people are so upset right now on the other side. We're in a nation that is founded on the rule of law. Mm -hmm. It's the law that is blind. The law applies evenly to everybody. And this idea came from the Bible. God's the great lawgiver. He gave the law to Moses. Right. Uh, the Bible is full of God's wisdom, uh, Proverbs and other places where we have, where we encounter the wisdom of God for living life. The law is a good thing. It's the 
application of that law, which which is where wicked human hearts come in, or 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 for instance, when we we're seeing all kinds of hypocrisy right now, right in our culture about we're arresting people for going to church, but you can go out, for instance, and protest uh, and violate COVID nineteen guidelines, and and that's okay. Uh, people are going, wait a minute, you know, or you can go to a big box store. Uh, but for some reason, we can't meet together in a church building to worship Jesus. This is a this is a bad application of law. The law should be, you know, Lady Justice is uh, is, is blind, meaning she she's not looking at race or color or gender. Right. Um, but but the problem is, it's not out there. From a Christian worldview, the problem's in here. Yeah, the depravity of man. But but at the same time, there's also a balance of that because we also don't preach human beings are the worst scums of the world and should be eliminated. Because their worldview that sees human beings as cancer of the right. planet yeah. that should be completely eliminated. The Bible also teaches that we are made in the image and likeness of God and our lives reflect uh, the value that God's given us. So when you ask the question, whose worldview more accurately describes what we see in the culture. You know, you can't sit back like liberals do and say, oh, human beings are great. It's the system that's bad. Well, look on the evening news. I mean, you, if, it, if there's any proof of a biblical doctrine to be true, it's the doctrine of total depravity because there's nothing uh, that the evening news confirms over and over again every single day of the week other, mm-hmm. other than the fact that human beings are messed up, yeah. that there's the world is full of problems. But we also don't, we're not, we're not saying that human beings are, are uh, totally messed up. We're saying they're also created in the image and likeness of God, which yeah. means there's a mixture here. Yeah. We see yeah. good and we see evil. I'll mix it. You know, you and I can have days when we're acting like Jesus, <laughs> right. and other days where we're scratching right. our head, going, "Man, I thought I was beyond that." Right. Um, but that that reflects the, the 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 problem with the human heart, and that problem runs through every single race. So it's not a racial thing. Right. It's a human thing. Um, you know, I'm going to give an example here, and I noticed I've got these. Uh, I don't know what they are. They're <laughs> they're they're decorative pieces here, made out of concrete. I, I call them dinosaur eggs, but I don't <laughs> think they really are. But let's pretend like this is an apple. I heard this illustration once and it's really, really powerful. If you're biting into this apple and all of a sudden you look and there's half of a worm in the in the apple, you realize the other half's in your mouth. After you spit the apple out of your mouth, you're going, how in the world did that apple or did that worm get in that apple? Mm-hmm. Now, those that don't have a Christian worldview, what's their answer? The worm ate its way from the outside in. In other words, it's the it's the culture that's the problem. It's yeah. the systems that are the problem. If we could just get rid of systemic racism, then everybody would love each other. The, pro- the worm ate its way in from the outside. But there's something interesting I learned about worms and apples. That's not how it happens. The, 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 uh, the larva gets laid inside the blossom of the apple. Before the fruit's even formed, the larva is in the blossom. And then when the fruit actually forms around the larva, and then this tiny little larva that's inside that piece of fruit actually eats its way out of the apple uh, and then, you know, makes its way on with its uh, whatever its developmental p- process is. But it's a powerful picture. What it says is this, the worm's on the inside. Sin doesn't come at me from the outside in. Sin is in the human heart. Yeah. And it actually works its way out. And and you and I both know there's only one solution to a sin problem. It's not governmental. It's not social workers. It's not psychologists. There's yeah. only one solution, and that's Jesus Christ. And, and designing so, – so to me, this is not just Christian. This is also um, – it conforms best to our reality. This is – a best depiction of what our reality looks like. So if I were to design good laws, that's gonna, I want laws that most apply to reality. 
So, so that's why the, the amazing part about the American Constitution, American government is a separation of power, check and balances. The idea of check and balances to not concentrate all your power in one place is based on the fact that human are innately depraved with their sin in our hearts. We, we know that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's happened over and over in history through tyranny, kings, emperors. Yeah. Pharaohs, well, whatever we've, we've you want to call it. We had our black eyes with the church. I mean, the, the, when when the power was concentrated in the church, you yeah. saw a lot of corruption and wickedness in, right. in the the organized church. And so, whether it's a government or whether it's the church or wherever right. the business realm, you're exactly right. It, it, it's not the environment. It's it's not. A, you can even have good laws. Yeah. But but if there's no accountability, no separation of power, uh, then you're going to have abuses of power. And the best system in this case to cater to that ideology or that the worldview that we're depraved is to have great accountability. One of the reasons I think I believe America is so successful is because we have many accountabilities built in. I just know for myself, even me, like I need accountability. Yeah. I, I need accountability for my family, for my wife, for my brothers around me, for my pastor. Um, because without accountability, I'm going to go off the deep end. Yeah. Every it's it's a benefit. It's a strength. It's it's a um it's a tool. It's an asset to have accountability right. to help us in that. But why why is that important to understand in terms of our law and, and system? Is because it's based on this worldview. So so th this is why we're scratching our heads. As I think most people are, we're still living in the leftovers of a Judeo Christian worldview. Right. We still understand. I, I think most people get the fact that everything's not right with me, but certainly everything's not right with the world. And the purpose of government, one of the legitimate purposes of government in Romans chapter 13 was to punish evil. We know that evil exists. Governments are supposed to protect uh, and promote righteousness uh, and to punish evil. Now here again, boy, this is a whole other discussion we could get into, but how do you define evil? How do you define good government? Yeah. The term good, the term evil, those are moral terms that suggest that there's an absolute standard. And again, if you're coming from a Marxist worldview, which many of these groups are, even the leftist part of our Democratic Party today, uh, godless uh, and have no appreciation at all for the Lord or for the word of God, um, how do they go about being legis legislators when they don't even understand what what uh, objective morality or don't even believe in truth how do you how do you even function in government how and here's the other thing you get rid of you get rid of police you get rid of prisons mm -hmm. next thing you get rid of is courts mm -hmm. because who wants somebody judging you? Um, or you know, they could be they could be uh, abusing justice in the courts. So right. so now you you don't need any of that because because there's no such thing as truth. And the question is, how are these people supposed to function in society in a in a livable way? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen, and th this is one of my major concerns: is when law and justice and legitimate functions is there government overreach? Absolutely, should government be checked? Absolutely, government should have check and balances. But when you eliminate all that completely to the opposite extreme, what you have is chaos. In the midst of chaos, do you know who wins? The person with the biggest club, the person right. with the biggest gun, the person with the biggest microphone, yeah. the biggest Twitter account, the biggest Facebook following, the biggest platform. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they say is right or not. It's whoever has a might means right. We're going back to the dark ages yeah. when, when the barbarians who had the biggest, I mean, that's really what's happening right now. Like who, who Who's silencing different voices is is whoever has the most money and the biggest account. So we're, we're going, we're we're fighting something that um, that that 
they're preaching against is, oh, you know, tyranny or, or yeah, yeah. might means right and all that stuff. That's what we're going back into. Well, this is a great point. So we're yeah. going to rebel against all authority. We're yeah. tearing down monuments. We hate the government. We're anarchists. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, right? But you're right. The irony of it is when you create that type of a chaotic environment, somebody's going to step into that void. And usually it's a tyrannical, uh, dictatorial government that oppresses everybody, that robs people of their rights. Uh, and again, that, the left, that's what they're all about, ultimately. All, all the leftist top-hand big government that control, it's all about control. And that's what I'm saying. Let's not be co-opted by these hidden agendas. We need, we need to be aware of these things. And, uh, and we need to be, you know, the, the church is the final barrier to all of our liberties because every liberty in America stems from a biblical worldview. That's the source of all these ideas. That's where they came from. That's why America is unique. That's why we must be uh, fighting and speaking. Uh, we must be like Moses, powerful in speech, powerful in action. And I'll end with a story. You know, we're getting ready to give away a, a great book for all of our dads on Father's Day. So we want to encourage all the men, especially come on out uh, on Father's Day, which is coming up right here in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, wow. Crazy. Okay. Anyway, um, one of the chapters in there dealt with um, cultural transformation uh, and public engagement. Mm -hmm. And and the author shared uh, something that we have been really encouraging you to do and to be proactive. He said that he got together a group of black men and a group of white men uh, to simply sit down on a regular basis and to start building relationship and dialoguing about these issues. You know, we did that last week and we we and I told you we need to continue to create a format for that process. Because um all the all the white guys were basically accused of being apathetic because, you know, hey, uh, racial injustice wasn't something they had to deal with every day. All the black guys tended to say, hey, we need to do some pass laws, do something about this racial injustice, but they were dealing out of a spirit of anger. So you had apathy on the one hand, mm -hmm. Anger, on the other hand, and I think that pretty much describes some of the great divide in America today. People that just don't care, it's not my world, and then you got other people, I'm like, I'm sick of this, something needs to change. So apathy, anger. So what did he do? He said, let's, hey, let's not just have one minute, let's get together on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. I think they met together either once a month or once, uh, once a week for the better part of a year. And what he said at the end of that is they developed such a love for, for those men, mm. each each side loving the other back, realizing that the issue was simply that they did not get in each other's world intentionally. They did not have relationships. So they were fighting stereotypes, they were fighting fears, uh, insecurities, abandonment, some of the things yeah. that we talk about. And, um, and once they got together though, and started building relationships, then understanding took place, mm. love took place, and then they were able to start building something. And I just want to encourage everybody that's watching, whether it's our own church family or whether you're from somewhere else, uh, you know, we have life groups here. Pastor Andrew oversees our life group ministry. Uh, and many of these life groups are, are multiracial expressions. They're beautiful. And people are loving each other. They're loving Jesus together. He's yeah. He's the one that pulls us together. And his mission pulls us together. Uh, but really encouraging people to get in settings like that where they can get to know each other's stories. Uh, like we saw Sunday. Man, when you hear the stories. Yeah of what people go through. And it's not just black people, it's people in general, because we've all, we've all got stories. When you take the time to hear somebody's story, that's when empathy and compassion begins to well up and you begin to care for that person and you have a, a deeper respect for that person. Right. 
That's when good things right. can, that can happen. Right. But I'll just say this. When you, when you go on some of the websites of these activist organizations, you will find nothing about reconciliation, nothing about forgiveness. It's all about power. It's all about government solutions. It's very militant. It's not coming from a biblical worldview. And in the end, it is doomed for failure. It will just be oppression of a different color uh, is all we'd be looking at. Um, only Jesus brings us together. And the way we do that is by being intentional about relationships. Yeah, and, and I, again, I want to speak to what we're saying right here. We're not we're not talking about people who are outraged at injustice no. or the killing of uh, George um, Floyd. Floyd. We're not talking about that. We're talking about some of the some of the underlying issue that's coming out. I mean, there's legitimate concerns and there's, there's legitimate things that need to be done. I guess my concern is just some of the other agenda is clouding what good what good things should come out of this whole. Um, killing of George Floyd, the, the legitimate reforms, the legitimate dialogue, the re legitimate uh, reconciliation and humility, repentance that should come out of that has been clouded by these other agenda that just makes no sense to me. So I think that's kind of my, my big concern. Yeah, you know? and I think this is where the church comes in because at the end of the day, if we're not providing kingdom solutions that are rooted in healing the heart, yeah. then the cycle of pain and injustice just keeps perpetuating. And, and we've seen that, and not just in American culture, that's a global phenomenon. So this is our best time for the church uh, to go love people, to reach out, to consider, Lord, what is, what is that part of the world that, that really makes my heart uh, on fire? You know, what is it that you're speaking to me about doing? How can I help build bridges? Um, but building bridges isn't wearing a T-shirt and marching or going to a website or becoming a member of this group or that group. We're, I'm talking about kingdom solution. I'm talking about Jesus Christ-centered solutions where we begin to love and get involved, whether it's getting involved and in, uh, running for office. Some of you have a governmental call yeah. uh, or whether it's getting involved locally and serving, finding a need, uh, being intentional about, you know, Marion and I said, we got to be more intentional about getting families over to our back patio this summer yeah. so we can just spend time over, over a meal together. Absolutely. Uh, and those are that's where healing can. And, really and I feel like that's where good policies can be created and made. Good policies, not just ideologies, symbolic stuff. But I'm talking about legitimate policies that can really truly make a difference in terms of reconciliation and really truly have equality again. But again, without good people, you have the best policy. You're still going to be struggling. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So here's our challenge. That's why we're doing this podcast. Uh, our mandate is to bring lordship to life, the, the preeminence of Jesus, the wisdom and the resources of Christ in his kingdom, uh, which are big enough to deal with these issues we're facing. Bring those, connect the dots, bring those to life. Uh, that's the job of the church. That's our role. That's yeah. what we're called to do. That's the mission that we're on as we move forward together. Yeah. So our prayer this week is that you would be a reconciler, a, a, a builder, a bridge builder, yeah. uh, as you go forth uh, in Jesus' name with the full resources of heaven behind you. All right, we love you. We're so grateful that you're tuning in to this podcast. We encourage you to like it and share it and let other people know about it uh, and help us spread the word about the Lordship of Christ. All right, have a great week. Oh, you too.